Hi, I'm Brad Solomons, and this is my first draft. Hi again, and welcome to the fifth episode of My First Draft. Where were we? Well, hopefully after a few episodes you know me better. At least a little bit. My name is Brad, and I wrote a novel. I've been editing it, getting it ready to publish, and even letting a few people read it. And now I'm reading it to you, aloud, and into this podcast so that you and I can work through the manuscript scene by scene and figure out what works and what doesn't. There's a certain magic in scheming to an audience, letting them know your best laid plans and seeing if there is any reaction. I read and record and post these little writing therapy sessions. You react, listen, and maybe even send me some feedback. This idea of working out your ideas in the open, for better or for worse, is pretty new. At least for me. But I am hoping it works out for me as well as it has worked out for others. And that also happens to be the theme of the next scene of my novel. Scheming aloud. See, last we left our so-called bad guy, our villain, our angry, hot-tempered friend, Mr. Sigmund Furio... He had just blew his top at a reporter who had questioned him on the steps of City Hall. We learn that he has a permit application in motion with the city of Birchmont. And because it's a big one, a rip-up-the-side-of-the-mountain-and-build-condominiums kind of project, not the kind of permit that you or I might need to get to build a fence or renovate our kitchen, there are lots of hoops to jump through. Politics come into play. Public opinion matters. Ripping up the side of a mountain is the kind of thing where folks who live in the city might have mixed opinions, wondering about the long-term consequences and ponder the ecological impact of doing such things. We talked back in a previous episode about why this makes Furio the antagonist, though simultaneously not necessarily the bad guy. I'm not trying to imply that business and development are bad things, but only that they can motivate people to pursue ends or fight against that kind of work if it's happening around them or even to them. It's part of the stakes of the story. And it also means that a big project like this, building condos, is not something that Furio is up on the mountain working on alone. He's got employees, a team, and probably folks with heads set more level on their shoulders. And this is where we rejoin Furio. He's scheming aloud to one of these employees. So, let's read. Every day of delay. No, every damn minute of delay is costing me money. Sigmund Furio is fuming. He's absently turning his gold flask over and over in his fingers, and he's slunk into an overstuffed leather armchair seated straight across from a matching settee where sits Derif Pumeki. Pumeki, the senior foreman for Furio's Karazun Community Development Project, thumbs away a bead of moisture escaping from his receding hairline and wipes it on his pant thigh. Furio ignores it, mostly. He likes to see his employees sweat a little. I'm uncomfortable pressing forward until those permits are approved, the sweating man says. The media. They'll be all over it if we're caught cutting down any more trees, and I gotta say, any bad publicity is only gonna slow us down even more. We've already got three guards on rotating patrols on the access road and scaring off anyone who wanders too close down there, and it's been more than just a few lost hikers. That trio last week, they had ropes and signs and a camera. If we encourage a protest, or hell, worse, a sit-in, people chained to trees? I know. Furio scowls. I know. I'm already catching shit about the yard fencing we put up and that light standard. I think the floodlight was probably a mistake, to be honest. Kendrick called me personally last week. He strongly suggested we not move any more equipment into the area until there's at least one more counselor on side. 
Furio spins the screw cap off his flask and draws two quick sips from the warm whiskey inside. Kendrick is handling it. Or he says he's handling it. You know how these guys work, right? But at least he's pushed through some kind of, I don't know, a backdated construction and maintenance permit? Some bureaucratic bullshit. Whatever. Gives us a bit of cover to keep those half dozen excavators up on the mountain. But not much else. Legit enough, but if we keep moving dirt with him, there's gonna be a shitstorm of- I know, Furio says again. Pumeki pauses chin. Even Counselor Kendrick is not going to be able to make the media ignore something that obvious. You know, I can get a couple more guys up there in the woods, double-checking the survey data against the refresh plans. It needs to be done anyways. Long run, I'm not sure it'll save us much time. A little. But maybe we can dress them up in athletic gear and give them pretty colored backpacks, he suggests. If they keep a low profile, don't draw attention, it might shave a day off our startup schedule. Sure, sure. Furio turns his head towards the window across his office and stares out towards the profile of the mountains to the west of downtown, which are falling into dusk, far across the twinkling lights of the city streets fifteen stories below. Anything. Something. Fuck it all. He takes another sip from his flask and shakes his head. That's great. Do it. And we need to get out in front of the media, too. Like, now. Media? I'm not really- Hell, of course not you, Pumeki. No. Furio shakes his head. I pay lawyers and marketing people for that, but now that I'm thinking, that thing you were just saying, that survey thing, yeah, I think we can use that. I see it now. Some guys playing locals out in the trees up there. Our people, of course, quietly resurveying the area, but maybe we find a reason to actually get a reporter up there. That, that political reporter, Diane, Dina, what's her name, who the fuck cares? I don't know. Someone up there hearing some wonderful bullshit community buzz around the project. If she thinks she's talking to some real suburbanites, you see what I mean? Saying they're excited about the new development? Yeah. Hell, singing how they'd love to live up there so fucking close to nature. They'll have a script, or we'll get the marketing team to write something better. Sigmund Furio smiles for the first time all evening, though it fades away almost instantly. I mean, you saw what she wrote about us this afternoon, right? He fishes his phone from his breast pocket and thumbs the display to life. Of course. Listen to this. Hey, it's me again, interrupting the story like I always do about here. As I alluded to earlier, now that we're in our fifth scene of the novel, I'm really starting to dig into the stakes of the characters. Stakes are important, and it's important that they are clearly articulated right from the first chapters because in many ways it is the setup for what will inevitably pay off much later in the story. Sorry, no spoilers. You'll need to keep listening or reading to find out how it all plays out. But seriously, the stakes are really the heart of any story. And as I've piece by piece set each character into place in previous chapters, alluding to some of the stakes already in motion, specifically with what's going on with Ian and the mystery up on Karazun, now we find out that with Furio working on a real estate development project up on that same mountain, two big ideas are starting to get introduced. First, and maybe most obviously, Furio has a clear financial and professional agenda up there. But second, what's been going on with the others whose lives are intersected with the mysteries of Mount Karazun? How, ultimately, of course, all that impacts Furio? What kind of collision course are all these characters now set upon? How will the needs of some characters conflict with the needs of others? Are we pitting everyone against each other? And how will that cause a story underfoot to build and grow out of these conflicts? And now within the world in which all this is happening, these events that are perhaps paranormal, definitely mysterious, and potentially dangerous, we pull in a bit player, a secondary character. You just met Dareth Pumeki, 
an employee of Furio's company. Like an electrical circuit, a story needs a positive and a negative wire. But then also sometimes you need to run a grounding line too. Dariff is one of those. He's the grounding wire for Furio. Just a guy trying to do his job, earn a paycheck. He's the site manager for the condominium project. And as we just saw, even as Furio's mind works and twists and schemes, he keeps some of that grounded in reality. That said, don't write off Pumeki as boring or inconsequential. Not yet. Early on, he doesn't have a big role, but even as we round out the next bit of the scene, we haven't heard the last of him. So let's just see how grounded he can keep himself as things get a bit more charged. Furio reads from his phone, the glow of the device casting a blue halo across his pale skin. Phase one of the proposed project he narrates the news article on his phone, which has garnered attention from both industry experts and environmental activists, envisions the construction of a 20-hectare planned community on Mount Karazun. The popular park is a pristine natural area and a destination for hundreds or thousands of Birchmont residents who use the mountain trails for cycling, hiking, and other... He snorts out loud. Pristine. Natural. She's loading it up to one side. Such bullshit. Makes it sound like we're ripping up some kind of local paradise, not building nice homes on the side of a mountain that's currently filled with nothing but trashy grove of trees and some dirt paths. Does come across as biased. You think so, huh? No shit. Furio shakes his head and continues reading. The development company behind this project is Local Investment Partnership F3 Asset Management, as led by Sigmund Furio. Furio is reluctant to comment on the project permits process, which is currently under the highest level of review by city council. But he was clearly frustrated. <laughs> Furio huffs aloud at this, but reads on. Frustrated outside council chambers on Tuesday by delays related to the basic diligence of city administration in clearing this application, which if successful would irrevocably destroy a large area of Mountain Green Zone. Derif Pumeki winces and wipes the knuckle of his thumb against his forehead, saying nothing. Irrevocably destroy, he scoffs. Basic diligence? What a load of shit. As Furio continues to fume and pulls another sip from his gold flask, the foreman's phone, sitting beside him on the leather seat, chimes and momentarily glows to life in the dimming light of the office. Furio catches the man's eyes, reflexively sneak a glance at the screen and dart back towards Furio. But then, double take, and a look of panicked confusion scrunch his brow and his head spins attentively back to the phone what furious snaps what's wrong pumeki can't seem to gather the answer and force it through his lips what the fuck is wrong furio marches out angrily enunciating each word it's the yard pumeki says scrolling down through a lengthy message up on karazun the yard is destroyed three excavators a pickup crush he half explains aloud as he reads and blurts bits and pieces in disbelief from the text no obvious breach Dariff, furio barks what the hell is it he sits up straight in the leather chair hands perched up on the armrests and poised as if suddenly ready to pounce across the distance separating the two men what what there's been a i don't know hell they don't know a break-in up at the yard something pumeki says his head trying to shake but instead barely imperceptibly shuddering back and forth. A truck has been crushed and half buried in the dirt. Three excavators are on their sides. In fact, one is upside down. The booms bent or snapped clean off. One of the tread tracks is wrapped around the light standard we stood up. It's a complete mess up there. I, I need to... I thought we had a guard up there. No one saw anything. They found it that way. They... Pumeki says, I think I should go. Yeah, go, go. And for once, Furio has nothing else to say. 
And there go the stakes. Notched up a few more volts, just one little bit higher on the stakes dial as we end the scene. Furio thought he was only being held up by political red tape, but now someone, or something, has vandalized the project site. I can't imagine our pal Furio is going to take this calmly, can you? Neither Furio or Pumeki seem like guys who are going to put up with a supernatural kind of mystery either. So things are looking more and more charged as our straight-laced site manager dashes up onto the mountain to see what's what with the project that just can't seem to win. Again, the stakes for Furio just seem to be getting higher and higher with each scene. I've been working here behind the scenes of this podcast on my own stakes. My stake in these words and this whole novel. What you don't hear as I read is that even though it only takes me 15 or 20 minutes to narrate the story to you, it often takes upwards of two hours to piece together the audio for each scene. There's a couple reasons for that. One being that I'm not a professional actor, or even a guy with a lot of experience reading into a microphone, so it often takes me two or three takes just to get the words out right. But in reading, there is a benefit that you are not hearing at all. When I read, sometimes I fumble over the words. Sometimes I encounter a tongue twister, or sometimes I read something that is just plain bad writing. Good writing is subjective, of course, but bad writing can be a lot more obvious, particularly as I read it aloud. And for the sake of sharing with you the best version that I've written so far, what you never hear is those gaps and fumbles and retyping that I do between reading bits of the story into the mic, my keyboard and laptop here in front of me, fixing and tweaking and occasionally rewriting entire chunks of the story. It's not unusual, I can attest to this, even just five scenes in, that my word count can change by as much as 20%, usually down, as I trim, adjust, and clarify. My stakes as I create and record this podcast are coming out the other end with an edited novel. So thanks for listening along as I do that, even though a lot of it is invisible behind the curtain of the podcast. In my next episode, we jump back over to Ian as we set one of the final threads of the story into the pattern and unleash the full mystery of Karazun into the plot. And I hope you'll join me again to see how those stakes are working out for both me and my characters. Thanks for listening. This has been a Squetchy Co. production. Visit me at squetchy.art.com.